0: Welcome to the Success in South Carolina podcast, where we will be hearing the untold stories of success from people in our community. These successful neighbors of ours will share their real life philosophies and solutions for success to inspire us, educate us, and help us find peace, joy, and love, along with a purpose, a mission, and a vision for our lives. And I'm your host, Jonathan Peoples. Our guest today lives in Spartanburg, South Carolina. She is a guru at personal branding, a professional networker and an expert with social media, especially LinkedIn, where she has nearly 50,000 followers. She's one of the most popular influencers in South Carolina with thousands of impressions and engagements every day. But most importantly, she is the genuine article. She's nice, she's approachable, and she's a great advocate for her clients. If you ever get the chance to work with her, count your lucky stars and jump in head first. Welcome to the show, my new friend, Ariel Lee.
1: Oh hey, Ariel. Hey, Jonathan. That was like the best introduction I've ever had. I feel like there's absolutely nothing I can say at this point. You it <laughs> sound way too good. So I'm so excited to be here.
0: Oh, well, I'm excited to have you. And Ariel, you are absolutely killing it on LinkedIn right around 50,000 followers. For most of us, that seems like such a huge mountain to climb. How long have you been taking your social media presence and your personal branding seriously?
1: So funny story, it was never my intention um, to grow a presence or, or anything like that. But um, I actually started a new career journey in January of 2020. Um, and I'm coming out of the car business. That had been my whole life up to that point as an adult. Um, And so doing something new, something that was heavily based on networking and face-to-face prospecting. And um, so I started in January, but I wasn't fully licensed to do what I do until May. And I don't know if you remember May of 2020, but um, there was no such thing as face-to-face prospecting or networking at that time. And so I knew that I was going to have to really dig into LinkedIn and, and sort of figure that out. Um, again, never my intention to build any sort of presence. I just wanted to meet new people and, and have meaningful conversations. And um, it has been the most, you know, you hate to look at something like COVID as a blessing, Yeah. Uh, but I don't know that I would have dug into LinkedIn in the same way, had that not been um, a cloud over all of our lives. And so it's been a huge silver lining and a great blessing for me as I start this new business.
0: That is awesome. It's so funny how I feel like most of the successful people that I interview, Ariel, have taken some kind of setback and turned it into an advantage.
1: Totally. I always joke that, you know, life life throws hurdles at you, but your legs get stronger the more you jump. So it just makes it worthwhile.
0: All right. That's the tagline we're putting on your movie poster, Ariel. (laughs) There you go. Life throws hurdles at you, but your legs get stronger as you jump. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> oh, me too, me too. Uh so can you speak to uh like why is it important for others to take their personal branding so seriously?
1: Well, I think the thing that struck me the most through my journey on LinkedIn is that most people and I mean like me, right? I wasn't um I wasn't active there until I had a need, until I needed to build that network and really meet people. Um a lot of people get active on LinkedIn when they're looking for a job or they're trying to sell something and the way that I describe it is that's kind of like planting your vegetable garden when it's dinner time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, y- you have to plant those seeds and tend that garden for a long time before you can actually eat the fruits and vegetables that you're growing. And and I think networking, whether it's in person or online networking is very much the same way. You can't expect just to immediately um, see the fruits of that labor. And so I think that, everyone no matter how stable you think your job is or how much you think you don't need networking to feed your business if you can continue to sort of groom that social media presence and establish and and I cringe a little bit at the personal brand phrase um, just because I think a lot of people get it twisted up in their heads and they feel like a personal brand is something you have to craft or something that you have to really work on and establish Um, and really and I mean it Again, it's just my opinion, but I don't think it's something that you have to create. I think it's just sort of figuring out how to show up online in exactly the same way that you would show up in a coffee shop or at a happy hour or anything like that that you're doing face to face. Um, And so a lot of people really overthink the whole personal branding thing. And it's really just show up, just be present and consistent. And it makes such a huge difference. Um, And if you can do that again, like I said, no matter how stable your your sales might be or how you've been at your same job for 20 years, you know, you're never going to need another job. But that network, even if you never do need another job, I have I mean, a lot of my clients come from LinkedIn, probably 95 percent of them. and, And that's been a huge blessing. But I've also helped friends that have been laid off or fired and. Being able to just make one social media post to get a friend back in a good spot, introduce the right people and put the right players in the right conversations. That's what's really fulfilling and makes, makes me feel like I get to make a little bit of a difference. So. Yeah.
0: Being authentic. Your personal brand isn't creating something that's not you. It's just being authentic like you would be. Absolutely. And then being able to help people. Holy cow. One of my favorite quotes from Zig Ziglar is, if you help enough other people get what they want, you get what you want automatically.
1: Amen. I tell people all the time, I'm like, karma takes care of you. If you are logging into LinkedIn every day or or doing anything in life, really with the mindset of what can I get out of this? How much money can I make? Or how many clients can I win? How many sales can I make? Um, You will probably fail and you will deserve it. But if you go about whatever you're doing with the mindset of how many people can I lift up and support in my circle today? How many people can I make an impact on? It's it's a game changer. And and the universe, karma, God, whatever your particular belief system is, will make sure that that's returned to you tenfold. Uh,
0: before we jump into your story, what are some tips that you could give our listeners that are wanting to get their personal brand out there that are wanting to increase their online presence, their networking, uh, especially through LinkedIn. Uh, and and do you think LinkedIn is the best place to go to, by the way?
1: Oh, I do. But I'm so biased. I just I think that LinkedIn is like the cream of the crop, the upper yeah. crop of society. I feel like everybody is amazing there. You don't have the same negativity that you find on other social media platforms. You don't have to be rich or beautiful, like on Instagram, it's just, you just show up, like you said, your authentic self, um, and you're able to make an impact no matter who you are. But that, that mindset of of logging in just to support and lift up other people is really the biggest thing that I can share. I think a lot of people, when it comes to LinkedIn in particular, they get stressed out about content creation, right? Because that's not a natural thing for most of us, that whole storytelling piece. And so people really miss the fact that you can comment on other people's content and support and highlight other people. And that is 100% how I made my presence known. I mean, content is a very small piece of it, but just by virtue of the way that LinkedIn works for every comment that I'm leaving, that's exposing my name and my face to other people in my network. If, If you're connected to me, you'll see 15 or 20 times a day, Ariel Lee commented on this. And it just keeps your name top of mind. It's for people that have been in sales industries, we have something called a drip campaign, where if you have a conversation with somebody and they're, they're a prospect, but maybe not right now, you might set a note in your CRM to follow up next quarter with a newsletter or send a Christmas card or you know whatever. You're just slowly dripping on them to make sure that they don't forget who you are and what you do and where to find you when they need you. And I feel like LinkedIn does that for you in the most beautifully unobtrusive way because I'm not intentionally commenting to keep my name in front of Jonathan Peoples, right? I'm just going about establishing relationships in that way, but it just happens and it's a really magical thing. So I would say focus 10 times or a hundred times more on the comments you're leaving to support other people than the content that you're putting out there And, and the rest of it will flow and fall into place.
0: That is great. I love how uh, your your stalker thing today, by the way. <laughs> For those who have no clue what I'm talking about, you've got to go to LinkedIn, check out Ariel's post. Um, and I told her that she's welcome to, you've got some stalkers out there, not quote air quotes. You've got stalkers out there that are clients or friends or whatever that know what you like and they send you different presents and stuff. And uh, then you challenged us who, who wants to be stalked. And I said, go ahead. I raised my hand. Go ahead, stalk me if you want.
1: Well, I just, I thought it was so funny. I used to get little presents in the mail all the time when I was working from home and I would have no clue how these people got my home address. I'm assuming they'd reach out to friends or whatever, but I've been in my office since the end of July and now it's very Googleable, right? Like you put my name in Google, my office address shows up. And so it's interesting that now that all of that is public record, people aren't sending presents anymore. So
0: (laughs) they had to go out of their way now that it's easy,
1: the thrill of the chase,
0: right? So one of the staples to our program, Ariel, is we love to hear kind of the all of your success comes with peaks and valleys. And one of the flagstones of our podcast is to hear the personal stories of struggle and victory of our guests. Would you speak to a personal struggle that you had to deal with along your path and what you learned in the process of getting your victory?
1: Oh, sure. I don't know where you want to start. I and and I always look at it and people that's a a topic on LinkedIn that comes up a lot. Like, what would you tell your 18 year old self if you could go back in time? And my answer is always absolutely nothing because one, I wouldn't have listened anyway at that age, but two, because I really love the way things worked out. And literally every challenge or setback in my life has set me up for something beautiful. And so I really appreciate all of those, but, you know, pretty, pretty stereotypical, like, Teenage mom story, right? I got pregnant and married in that order at 19 years old. And so I dropped out of college after my freshman year. Um, And I said to myself at that time, I'll just go back when life is less busy. And we can all kind of laugh together that life never gets less busy than it is when you're 19 years old. But I definitely had struggles at that time in my life. The marriage fell apart about four months after my daughter was born, um, which was fine. He's an excellent human. He's an excellent father, but we were not meant to be together forever. And so I sort of ran home to mama. That's what brought me to Spartanburg. Um, I moved around a lot as a kid. I don't really have a home. So I've lived here since 2008. That's the longest I've ever lived anywhere. Ran home, moved in with my mom, me and my four-month-old baby, and answered an ad in the newspaper. And that's like showing show in my age, I feel like because one, nobody looks at the newspaper anymore. But I was drawn to an ad that said no training required unlimited income potential. And I was like, yes, that sounds like right up my alley. Um, And it was for a car dealership. And they were trying to recruit salespeople. And I had always been kind of into that. My boyfriend in high school, not the father of my child, but the guy I dated all through high school, his uncle owned a small used car dealership. And I always looked up to him, thought he was very successful. And so that's why I was like, I'm going to own a car dealership when I get older. And then sort of the light bulb goes off when you're an adult that you can't just snap your fingers and own a car dealership. Like that takes money. Um, And I did not come from money. So sales was sort of my entry into that world. And I sold cars for a couple of years, had a few setbacks during that time. I had uh, being being a woman in automotive is um interesting and i i never felt like it was a disadvantage because i always did really well with my customers my clients but i had a couple of issues with some some managers like sexual harassment type things and and that sucked and and you move on and so i sold cars for a few years eventually got promoted as a finance manager finance director spent the next eight years doing that and ultimately wound up as a general sales manager of a dealership which is you know the person that's kind of responsible for the entire front end of a of a car dealership, and that is a hugely financially rewarding position for somebody with no college degree. As a finance manager and general sales manager, you make about the same amount of money. So starting at like twenty three or twenty four years old, I'm extraordinarily well compensated, but I still don't have any sense, right? Because I, the whole financial thing was just not part of my upbringing, and so. Went through that. I was general sales manager for three years. And as I reflect on it now, I think that I probably was not doing a great job as a people manager. I had always been sort of an individual contributor up to that point. When you're a salesperson, when you're a finance manager, you're really just responsible for yourself. And then all of a sudden, because, you know, well, Ariel's good at all this stuff, so move her into that position. But a huge part of the general sales manager position is managing people. Um, and trying to motivate your team. And I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. And the average car salesman is not a super motivated go-getter individual. Um, A lot of them are perfectly happy to just do the bare minimum. And that was hard for me to understand. From my perspective was always like, I'm not gonna do anything if I don't think I can be the absolute best at it. And so as I'm managing people who don't share that same mindset, it just became frustrating for me. And I was kind of a miserable human being. And so, three years in that role, I came into work one Monday morning and they sat me down and they said, Ariel, we're going to bring in another general sales manager. You can go back into the finance office or you can hit the road. And a week before that, I had just closed on a new house. And three months before that, my husband was sort of having a um, mini midlife crisis. I hope he doesn't listen to this because I'm calling him out a little bit, but so he had quit his job. He was also in the car business and I'd said, no big deal. I got us, take some time, figure out what you want to do when you grow up. So anyway, I didn't feel like it was a really great opportunity for me to just be like, okay, well, I'll just leave. So I stepped back into the finance office, which again, financially is very similarly compensated, but mentally and my ego was a little bit bruised at this point being replaced kind of, it, it was a surprise to me. I did not see it coming because everything I thought was just kind of flowing like normal. And it was, it was a challenge. I'm a like extreme company woman, loyal employee. And so I felt a little bit betrayed and, and really hurt by that. So I took a couple months and decided, okay, I can't just sit in this office and collect this paycheck and be bitter about everything. I I have to do something different. Uh, but again, I, I don't have a college degree, but I was a highly compensated individual with a mortgage and car payments and private school to match. So I had to figure out what I could do that would compensate me similarly. And uh, so really took a leap of faith into a totally different industry um, that I can't talk about, but it's just been the biggest Again, like I said, all those moments sucked, but it brought me to to places that were so beautiful, and I've just really, I feel like, learned a lot at, at every step, and have really enjoyed the journey. So,
0: I love how you refer to your new industries. I can't talk about it. it. Sounds like you're part of the Illuminati now, Ariel. I
1: know, I know. I promise, I'm not in the CIA or anything like that. It's just a just a weird weird compliance thing.
0: I totally understand. I've been there before. You know, you signed on, compete, or you signed. <laughs> You sign non-disclosures or non-competes or things like that. What do you feel like are some of the major lessons you learned while going through that struggle area there and on your way to that victory?
1: So, like I said, as I reflect on it, I, I feel like if I had been really in touch with myself, I would have decided to leave a lot sooner, but I felt sort of trapped by that paycheck. And it was one of those things like life was just not working 65, 70 hours a week. I'm highly stressed, but everything is fine. That was kind of the, um, I have a friend that her whole tagline is fine as a trap, Lauren Lefkowitz on on LinkedIn. Um, And so that was really where I was. I was just in that, this is fine trap. And it took that shake up. But so that's the thing is that I think if I had been better in touch with who I am and what was really you know, this this whole podcast is about success in South Carolina, right? And I feel like at different points in my life, success has been defined very differently. And when I was younger, it was pretty much 100% financial. Like, I want to hit this annual income goal. I want to drive the Lincoln Navigator. I need the five-bedroom house to prove that I'm, I've made it, right? And then there just really came a light bulb moment where I'm like, I have spent so much time and energy trying to make a great living that I have forgotten to make a good life. And I was missing, you know, I have at this point, I have a 15 year old. So when I left the business, she was 13 and, you know, missing school events and being the person that just says, I'll I'll write the check to support you, but I'm certainly not going to show up and volunteer. I'm not going to show my face. I don't have time. Um, and so I really missed out on a lot of things working those kind of hours. And, um, so as, as I get older now, it's super crystal clear to me that the nothing to do with success has to do with money. In my opinion, (laughs) I feel like it's all very much about the, you know, the freedom to make the decisions to do the things that fill your cup and light your soul on fire and having the time, um, and the energy to do the, the volunteering that I've been able to do over the last couple of years. Things that I really genuinely enjoy that in the past I had to say, no, I don't have time for that. So that's that's been a really cool lesson that I wish I could have learned much earlier on in life that success is not just defined by money, but I think that it's probably different for everybody. And so that's, I don't know.
0: <laughs> so your definition of success is freedom and happiness and control of your life. And enjoying your life. Is that am I putting words in your mouth, Ariel?
1: No, you hit the nail on the head. And that and just defining what makes you happy and what brings you joy. And for me, um, as a little bit of an OCD perfectionist, the things that were stressing me out about the car business were the things that were not immediately in my control. Um, you know, the fact that if your dealership closes at seven, but if somebody comes at 6:45 and wants to buy a car, you're gonna be there till 9:30. And that just those kind of things. So in my life now, I am completely in control of my schedule, but I'm also completely in control of the clients that I work with. Um, In the car business, you're pretty much on your knees begging for every deal 100% of the time um, because every deal matters. Um, And with what I do now, if it's not a good fit, I definitely find a respectful way to, to share that it's not a good fit. I don't take any person that comes into my door just to make a buck because I know that ultimately that's not building the business. That's going to fill my cup.
0: I feel like a lot of our listeners, Ariel are going through crossroads just like you. How did you have the courage to make that jump? And then what were some things that helped you stay mentally stable when you make the jump to a new career with really no guarantees. It's a total change shift. And then you said at the same time, your husband is, is seeking to, was that at the same time or was that prior? Same time. (laughs) Same time. It's funny how these things all happen at the same time, right?
1: Well, and I mean, it, uh, he had actually started flipping houses. And so that's one of those things. Like he was, he was doing something, but it was not like a regular stable paycheck by any means. And I wish I could put my finger on what gave me the courage, but I think it was 100% related to knowing everything that I missed out on with my daughter and realizing how absolutely exhausted I was with just life in general. I'm 32 years old at that point, And I'm like, I cannot do this for another 35 years. I will, mm. I'll lose it. I'll, so it was, It was honestly not even a want to, it felt like a have to at that point, like my, I don't know, my whole, um, I just felt so bitter in that chair at the dealership. And I knew that, you know, the grass is not greener. The environment is the same everywhere. And so, you know, I could have left that dealership and gone somewhere else and stayed in the same industry, which would have been comfortable, but I have read enough self-development books to know <laughs> that comfort does not breed um tremendous success. So you have to get out of that comfort zone occasionally to to see a payoff. And so it was just it felt like the right time to to make a change and take a gamble and and I mean I had I had been fortunate. I'd been in a highly compensated position for the last decade and so had had some I mean, I'm not one of those people that would ever advocate, you know, if you're struggling to buy groceries every week, you probably should not quit your job on a whim and try something new. But if if you can take a calculated look at your finances and say, OK, well, I can sustain myself for X number of months or years or whatever to really give this a go. I think it's worth it every time. If, if you've got that feeling in your gut that you need a change, you need to take a risk and do something new. You, you won't be sorry, but it was the hardest decision I'd ever made.
0: I feel like you gave almost word for word a answer that I read in a book called How to Stop Worrying and Start Living by a guy named Dale Carnegie. He wrote a really great sales book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. Right. But I love his book. Have you ever read How to, Win- How to Stop Worrying and Start Living?
1: I have not, but that it sounds like a great one.
0: <laughs> it is amazing. And in that book, he talks about if you've come across a crossroads or you've got something that's bringing stress or worry into your life, to, to sit down and write a list and say, what's the worst that can happen? Right. And if you like you said, if you're looking to pay for groceries, maybe you are in a position where the worst case is you could be out under a bridge or something. But I feel like with most people, even the worst case scenario is not as bad as we make it in our head. The worst case scenario, if you know, if you lose your house or if you lose your car, if you lose whatever, you still have your family and most of most of your family or friends would take you in, help you out, just because I feel like so, so many of us make this the worst case scenario is so big in our brain, Totally, but it, it's freeing to, to kind of look at it and write it down and realize, okay, well, the worst case scenario isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Plus how can I improve upon the worst case scenario? What can I do to make it better?
1: Absolutely. No. And, and that was the thing. It was like, and I told myself in my head, it's important with what I do now to say, no plan B's, right. Burn the burn the ships, you don't want to be in a position where you're constantly looking back at where you came from. And so mentally, I did that, right? Like there's, there's no going back for me. Um, but ultimately, it wouldn't be the end of the world to have to go back into the car business. And so I knew that that would always be a fallback option. I just really from a health perspective, mental health and physical health, I, I knew that I could not sustain work in those kind of hours with that kind of stress. Uh, for much longer.
0: So in your new position, in your new role, and as your uh, social media advocate, this influencer, what do you feel like, you smile and laugh as I say (laughs) that, but it's true.
1: It feels silly, but.
0: Yeah. So as you're in this position, what do you feel like is Ariel's secret. What's your secret bullet? If you had to, uh, I know you said, if you're talking to 18-year-old Ariel, but you're not talking to 18-year-old Ariel. You're talking to our listeners who may spread from the range of 18 to 30 to 40 to 50, but the most of them might be at a crossroads or they're wanting to, how can I, they're not at a crossroads necessarily, but they're wanting to, what can I do to fine tune what I've already got going? What can I do to improve my life? What can I do to grow? what is that secret for Ariel? What's that truth that you hold that if you had one thing that you were telling somebody, what would it be?
1: I think I would just encourage people to get crystal clear on who they are and then not shrink to fit in anybody else's boxes. Um, I did that for a lot of years. And again, it made me a lot of money, but I never was really able to be true to myself and who I am. And I think that that darkens your soul a little bit over time the longer that you sort of dull your light I and the longer I spend on LinkedIn the more clear that it becomes the more authentically you can put yourself out there the more honest you can be about who you are and what you stand for the right people will just absolutely magnetize to you and the wrong people will stay away. And so that's the beautiful thing about social media. I had somebody um, a couple of years ago when I was first getting started and they are in my industry, they're a veteran. I definitely respect their opinion and what they have to say, but I show up on LinkedIn in a very sort of silly almost and approachable way. And this person told me a few years ago, they said, oh, I love what you're doing, but you know, I would not recommend using emojis on a professional platform. And just respectfully, in my opinion, if someone is that turned off by the use of emojis on LinkedIn, there are probably a thousand other things about my personality that are also going to turn that person off. So it's so amazing that we're able to get that out of the way up front. Um, and so I think that that would be, that's my my secret bullet is just be unapologetically true to who you are and allow other people to come into your universe based on that. Because if you're holding up some kind of mask or putting on these perfectly polished professional pants that don't fit, you're going to attract the wrong kind of people. So if you if you show up genuinely, the the right people just magnet to you. And it is magical. I can't can't say that enough.
0: And even when you wear the mask and you're attract, even if you are attracting people, your self-image still hurts because you don't think they really like the true you. You think they like the fake you.
1: Totally. Well, and. And it's the weirdest thing for me. Again, you said, you know, I'm almost 50,000 followers. All of my clients come from LinkedIn, but they're all over the country. That's why I was so excited about this podcast with you because it's here and it's local. But I'll be honest, when I have people from my before life, like interact with a post that I put out there, I'm like, oh no, this is not for you. Like, it's like, I want to shrink back into that box of the person that I was before 2019 to fit back into the image that they had of me. And it's very, it's a, it's a very weird mental game that I play with myself, but it, it's a super interesting thing for me.
0: I love how you are unapologetically bold, but with people skills and grace and I don't know, mercy maybe for people. Cause I, I see, I do see some people who reply because you get 300, 400, 500 comments on different posts. And some, some of those comments are, not are they make negative, right? Negative is what I'd call them. And, uh, and you always stand your ground. And I love that, Ariel. That's one of the things I super admire about you.
1: Well, it's been interesting. I've always felt like anybody that leaves a negative comment on LinkedIn that 100% says a lot more about them than it says about me. And it's just, it, I have finally come to the realization that it's not any of my business how anybody else feels about me. And I'm not the main character in anybody else's story. And so, if something I say rubs somebody the wrong way, then, you know, and that's not to say if I say something, I would never, cause I'm, I'm very intentional about not putting like offensive stuff out there. And I don't even, I don't know if y'all know how LinkedIn works, but anything you comment on shows up on your feed. So I don't even comment on like political posts. Even if I agree, I stay away from that just because I don't want that to come into that part of my world. But, but yeah, any, anybody that says something negative that, they're having a bad day. It's, it's more of a reflection on them. And um, it definitely replying to it in a way that's true to you and and can stay positive and keep that high ground does more to paint the picture of who you are than stooping to their level and and getting icky right back to them.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. And that's, what's great about being authentic Ariel. It's one of the reasons that I feel like I, I don't like calling you an influencer, although you are, I don't like it because most influencers in my head are the people that thrive on drama. They want the drama. They're welcoming it. They're bringing it. They're even stirring the pot, but Ariel is just genuine. She's nice. She's authentic. She's herself. And that is what, that's your secret to success, right?
1: It it definitely makes a difference. Um, I have come into contact with a few people. When I started building on LinkedIn, I, I had about 450 connections. I hit 2 2500 in january of 2021 and at that time we were doing a lot of i don't know if you got involved in the clubhouse phenomena a couple of years ago but clubhouse was an audio app where you would go into rooms and have chats with people and connected with a lot of really amazing humans through clubhouse but there was one person that i asked to connect with in january of 2021 sent them a connection request. And the response I got back was, I'm very near to my 30,000 limit. Please follow me, Um, you know, whatever. And it just felt very counter to the um, image that he was projecting, right? The mask that he was holding up on LinkedIn did not match up to that message that said, I'm too big for you right now. And, you know, after I got to a certain stage in, in my growth, he reached out and asked to connect with me constantly is asking me to guest on different things and I'm just like, do you not remember that you were, you know, so I think that we're all just humans, right? It's so silly to me when people base their, I don't know, their entire personality off of a follower account. That, that is not me. I am on LinkedIn to have meaningful connections and conversations with other real humans. And, um, it's very cool and a definite treat to be able to do it at scale, but it doesn't make me any different or, or better than anybody else for sure.
0: You said you've read a lot of business books. What do you feel like are some of your favorites? Any, anything you'd recommend?
1: So I'll plug, um, one of my dearest friends on LinkedIn, Andy Storch, um, has a book and it's a great like quick read. I think the Audible is six hours um, called Own Your Career, Own Your Life. And that's one I've I've only read in the last two years because I just met him through LinkedIn. But it really was one of the most impactful sort of to confirm that I'm doing all the right things and taking all the right steps and just make me feel real good about where I am in my journey. So highly recommend that one obviously How to Win Friends and Influence People is a a classic. So I'll have to look up that other one that you mentioned. But no, it's everything falls out of my head just as soon as I read it. So I'm the worst to ask what, (laughs) what my favorite books are. But those are two. If you want to get into LinkedIn, there's a book called Content DNA by my friend John Asperian. Really, really strong book that helps you sort of figure out how to how to start showing up in the content creation side of things. But just overall personal development, I would definitely say Andy Storch.
0: Okay. Another genuine question here. This is impromptu, Ariel, but this just came to mind because of your journey. Do you feel like a real winner, the hero of their own story, someone who's being genuine, do you feel like that they never they don't know the word quit and they never quit or do you feel like that at some point you have to figure out if something's not working for you even if you feel like it's what you should be doing that you've got to count your cost and call and and go to that plan B
1: So I think it's important to be constantly introspective and um I actually I don't know if we're running up on time but I had an experience in the last 2 years where I was doing my LinkedIn thing that was providing me with all of my new clients. I got into a stage where I felt like I was hindered by the compliance requirements in my industry. And I said, well, I'll just pull out of this social media program so that I don't have to play by these restrictive rules. Right. And so I pulled out of that program. And subsequently saw my numbers over the next eight or nine months take an absolute nosedive. And I was not getting any less attention online. It's just that my profile was not clear about what I did to pay my mortgage. It just looked like I was just hanging out on LinkedIn for funsies, which I am, to be quite honest. But um, it did not have anything to do with what I did for a living. And I made a lot of excuses in my head. It was, you know, I originally pulled out of the program in August of 2021, and everything was fine for a couple months. And then the holidays rolled around, and things were slow. And I said, "It's the holidays; people have other things on their mind." And then at the beginning of 2022, it was, "Oh well, there's a war in Ukraine, and there, you know, there's so many other things going on." And I just said, "It's, it's not me; it's not this decision that I made." It's other extraneous things going on. Um, and then finally in about April, it sank to a point where I knew I had to make a change. And so sort of tucked my tail back between my legs and and got back on that program and, and started playing by all those rules again. And and it was amazing how quick things shifted, right? But it was, I thought I knew what I was doing. I thought that, that I was making the right choice and it uh, was definitely a lesson in, constantly examining what's working and what's not and being willing to make those changes without making those excuses. Because I I let myself make excuses for a little bit too long.
0: I feel like stories like that are great lessons in humility for us, but we are just doing the best we can with the knowledge we have right now. Right, Ariel?
1: 100%. And that's another huge mindset shift that I took Coming out of the car business is, I used to almost be a little bit pessimistic and sort of assume the worst about people until they approve until they prove me otherwise. And now I flip that on its head, and I assume positive intent in a hundred percent of cases, um, and I'm very rarely disappointed. And so I think that as long as I as long as I approach people with an open heart, and there are bad actors out there, but if you assume positive intent in all cases even if somebody does something that rubs you the wrong way it's a whole lot easier to get to the root of that and sort of clarify and it's a it's a game changer
0: (laughs) one of my favorite speakers uh now passed away now is a guy named jim Rohn, and he says there's only about six really evil people in the world uh so most people are great they're nice now, you, but you got to be careful because those six people move around a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I like that. And John Maxwell talks about, you know, when you meet somebody to put a 10 on their head and treat them like they're a 10 at first, and then you get what you expect. You get what you're expecting of people, right? Totally. If you expect the negative and you expect that, then that's what you're going to get from them.
1: Amen. Absolutely. All,
0: all right. I'm sorry. I'm kind of taking over the podcast here and just telling you my, my philosophy is instead of asking yours, uh so what what other keys to success Ariel I know that I if we've exhausted I, I don't want you to feel like we have to list three or four or five more but I I feel like you're holding there's one still that's on the top of your brain that you just want to throw out there.
1: Oh I I wish there was I really and I hate to harp on like the karma thing but I feel like if you just approach everything with an open heart and you do the best you can to support everyone around you um that support will come back to you and so that's certainly been the case in my life whether it was in life or LinkedIn or whatever, just be open to opportunities. Uh, maybe that's one that that I can share that say yes to things that scare you and then figure out how to do it later. Um, I have gotten a couple of speaking opportunities that were presented to me. And when it, when it first came about, I was like, what? Who am I? And why would anybody want to listen to me talk for 90 minutes? And I figured it out and it wound up being an amazing experience and about to do it again at the end of this month. So I'm excited about that. But I think that that was something that old Ariel would have been like, Oh no, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. So say yes and figure it out later.
0: And I feel like something else that I'll comment about is I believe Ariel probably has some success habits you built into your life. I noticed that every day you're posting on LinkedIn about the exact same time what other habits do you have in your life that you feel like have led you to some success?
1: Oh my gosh, my husband would laugh. So I'm very, um, I'm I'm highly OCD, I'm not diagnosed. So I'm sorry if that offends anybody out there that actually has OCD and is medicated, but I'm very regimented um, in, in everything I do. I, I wake up and it's, it's not like, I wish I could say I was one of those people that wake up at 5 a.m. and I exercise for an hour. It's not like that. It's just a set routine so that I know that my day is going to have the flow that I need it to to have. And so and and when it comes to LinkedIn, consistency is 99 percent of the puzzle just showing up daily. I I feel like intentionality is sort of the key to a lot of things that I do. And that's the people that I talk to about LinkedIn are always like, I don't have time. You know, we all have sort of mindless social media scroll time. And I took that time and turned it into intentional, okay, I'm going to scroll LinkedIn and I'm looking for people to engage with, people to meet, people to, you know, you and I met because I commented on somebody else's post that you commented on that was a picture of your dog. Like how flipping random is that? But that's how you make genuine connections with people. And so I just, I approach everything that I do with intention, and I do keep a routine. And I am also pretty boring. I have zero habits because I worked 70 hours a week for most of my career. Um, I fall asleep every night at 930. Uh, I tell people, I'm like, I'm not a morning person. And I'm not a night person. I'm a solid midday person. And so I think that that helps to, to keep me fresh when I'm in front of people. But like, in the morning, I don't wake up, I don't journal, I don't meditate, I have tried to do all of those things ceaselessly, and they just, they don't sink in for me. But uh, I have a routine where I sit for an hour, and I scroll LinkedIn and pet my dog while I wake up. And that is what works for me. So I think get Like I said before, just get crystal clear on who you are and what works for you. And so I quit feeling bad about the fact that I'm not the type of person that journals or meditates. And I honor the fact that this is the way that I choose to start my day. And so uh, it
0: doesn't help us to beat ourselves up, does it? It never does.
1: You know, the, the guilt and just letting go of thinking that you're supposed to be a certain way. And again, like I said, you're you're not the main character in anybody's story. And I I stressed for a long time when I left the car business, I had always drove Lincoln Navigators. It was the biggest, baddest, nicest car that we sold. And so that's what I wanted to have because I felt like that was what success looked like, right? And when I stepped away from that and, and took a small pay cut to start a new venture, um, now I have a Ford Expedition. Still a very nice vehicle and way bigger than I need, but I'm a short person. I like to be sitting up high. And I had the biggest complex, like, what are these people going to think about me downgrading from a navigator to an expedition? And I let myself get stressed out about that for a long time. And now a couple years removed from it, I'm just like, that was the silliest thing. Nobody cares about me or what I'm driving. And if they do, That's great because they're not somebody that I need in my circle. So um, that was perfect. lesson.
0: (laughs) Amen. Amen. Yeah. If people get rubbed the wrong way when you're not even trying to, then it's somebody you're not supposed to be around to begin with. Right. (laughs) I mean, it's different if you're intentionally out there trying to be offensive or whatever, but if you're just living you, your true unique self, and you're doing it with love and peace and joy like Ariel does... How can somebody even be offended by that? I don't get it. There's some people that they wake up in the morning looking to be offended. And you know what? It's okay. Let them be offended by you because then you don't have to see them again. That's right. (laughs) That's awesome, Ariel. Well, this has been an absolute blast. We're coming upon the end here. So Ariel, the last question I ask our guests is who could use your services? What's your clientele? What would they look like? And then how would they find you?
1: So LinkedIn is always the best place to find me. Um, I was joking when we were talking about the present posts that I am Googleable on the internet, but I'm always on LinkedIn and super responsive to messages and connection requests there. I joke that my ideal client doesn't have a profile. It's not men or women or black or white or old or young. I like to work with people that I love to talk to. Um, I just want to enjoy my conversations. I spent a lot of years making a lot of money, but being absolutely miserable. And so my my life now is constructed. I joke uh, Marie Kondo, who does the closet cleanouts, where she says, if it doesn't spark joy, throw it away. And I've done that with my life. So I need everything in my life to spark joy. And that's how I operate. So um, if something I've said resonated, if you feel like my personality fits with your personality, then those are my ideal clients. And I know that that's a cop out and not an easy way to define it. But that's um, I've, I've coined it to say that I'm running a vibes based business. And so if, if the vibes are there, then we're a good fit. and uh, And if not, that's OK. There's no hard feelings.
0: Well, then you're a keeper as a friend, Ariel, because you spark joy for me.
1: (laughs) Oh, well, absolutely. The feeling is mutual, Jonathan. Thank you. So looking forward to meeting some local people. Please shoot me a connection on LinkedIn and tell me that you heard me on Jonathan's podcast.
0: All right, listeners, let's get out there and make our world, our country and our community a better place. When you succeed, we all succeed. And as always, this is a friendly reminder that the left lane is for passing. So speed up or move over.